Our sermon passage this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We're continuing on in our sermon series, True and Better. Um, and our passage this morning is the excerpt uh, from a few verses that focus in on John the Baptist, who we'll be talking about this morning. This is God's Word, good, beautiful, and true. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John testified concerning him, that is Jesus. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. This picks up at verse 19. Now this was John's testimony. When the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, and, and he said, no. Finally, they said to him, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of, the, of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have uh, given it to us um, and that in these verses we can see uh, the first of the witnesses <laughs> called um, to testify to who Jesus is and what he's up to. So I pray in these moments as we look at these verses that you would work in us to make us uh, see the beauty and majesty of Jesus, to fall in love with him all the more, and uh, for you to work on us, to conform us to his image, to make us more and more like him. I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. A sunrise is a beautiful thing. Now, I'm not really a morning person, uh, or I don't tend to be, so I don't see a lot of sunrises, but when, I, when I'm up early enough uh, to see it, it's always special. No sunrise is like another. It's, it's truly beautiful to see the light begin to, uh, to come on, uh, to break through the darkness. But what if it just stopped there? What if the sunrise just stopped at the, the sun peeking over the horizon? What if it just sat there? Well, the truth is we'd be stuck. Not quite in darkness, um, but not in the kind of a light, light that would allow us to see what we were doing. Uh, in fact, it would probably be a dangerous thing. I, I read an article years ago that the most, uh, uh, the most wrecks happen um, at twilight when the sun's going down. They call it terror twilight during rush hour. When the sun's going down, people don't quite have their, sun, their headlights on in their car uh, that's when the most wrecks happen. Uh, when the sky is beautiful, but when the light is not fully on. Sunrises are beautiful, but only, really, because they lead to the pure 
and uh, fuller light of the day. In our passage this morning, we see the sunrise in the message of this character, John the Baptist. Him and his ministry was a pointer, uh, was a sunrise to a greater light to come, Jesus Christ, who was going to arrive in his ministry. But just like a beautiful sunrise is only ultimately significant because it leads to the greater day of light, John the Baptist is a man whose life and ministry we can only understand in the greater light of Jesus Christ. And that's true of us as well. And that's the main point as we look through uh, this sermon. We'll have a couple of different sections to focus in on it. Um, And the first one's this, the priority of Jesus. Now, I've mentioned in the previous sermons in this uh, series, True and Better, the Gospel of John, that the gospel, if you read through, is like a courtroom drama. It's focused on who Jesus is. And John the Baptist here is the very first witness called to the stand. Uh, so the attorney's making his point, and he calls John the Baptist to the stand. Well, who is John the Baptist? Well, first, let me clarify. I know this is called the Gospel of John. It was not written by John the Baptist. John was a very common name in the ancient world, it, it, just like it is today. It means God is gracious. And uh, so John the Baptist... Um, and John, the gospel writer, were two completely different people. And we'll learn more about John, the gospel writer, the guy who wrote this down in later weeks. But this week, we're focusing in on John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, he was an older cousin of Jesus, um, related through his mother's side, and he had a prominent, well-known ministry, actually, before Jesus came on the scene. We see it here in in our verses. He had begun to baptize people in the Jordan River. And this act of baptism was significant. It was an incredible act of uh, repentance. Now, where it was taking place was a big deal. The Jordan River was the place where uh, centuries upon centuries upon centuries ago, the Israelites' ancestors, under the character of Joshua, we can read about this in the Old Testament, they crossed into the promised land for the first time. The Jordan was the place they crossed over. Um, And at the time that uh, John the Baptist had his ministry, baptism was not uncommon. Baptism happened, but it only happened to people who were Gentiles, non-Jews, that were converting to the Jewish religion. But the significant thing about John the Baptist is that he began to baptize Jews as well. Um, And that's actually what brought him really to the attention of the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and why they sent this uh, delegation that we see in this passage to question who he was. Because he wasn't just baptizing Gentiles that were converting. He was baptizing people who had been born and raised and been devout Jews. Um, And all of this was saying God's about to do something very big. uh, And John's big point here in baptizing people who were Jewish is he saying you can't status your way to God. You can't lean upon your ethnicity. You can't lean upon the things that you've looked for for your identity before, even when they were good things, that God is about to do something uh, uh, incredibly significant that all those things have pointed to. And we must turn, uh, we know it's Jesus, we must turn to Jesus for our sense of worthiness and identity, not our our, uh, background or our history or our heritage or anything like that. So John had this special calling from God, and we'll we'll get there. And with that calling, uh, there came a lot of fame. John the Baptist was a very kind of famous, very popular figure at the time. Um, In fact, John the Baptist seems to have had a much longer ministry than Jesus. 
And it happened in a more significant place. Jesus' ministry happened mostly in the region of Galilee, which was in northern Israel and a lot of more kind of rural towns. They were mixed between Jewish and, and Gentile populations. John the Baptist, his ministry happened not too far from the capital city. Um, it was in Bethany, which was a city on the other side of the Jordan River. But not too far from the Jordan River, you could get to Jerusalem. It's where the greater population center was. So John the Baptist had this very uh, notable and significant uh, ministry that made a big impact. Um, over 20 years, uh, and we see how this rippled out, over 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus. So years and years later, there were still a community of people who claimed to be followers of John the Baptist in Ephesus, um, which was 1,200 miles away in a completely different part of the world, in a sense. Um, and over 60 years later, there were still folk legends that the reason that Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD, so you know, years and years and years after the time of John the Baptist, was because John had been put to death by King Herod. As I say all that to say this, John was a significant figure in the first century. He's not somebody that was just a blip on the screen. This was a significant uh, historical figure who made a humongous impact in his world. He had a lot of fame. He had this big reputation. He had this incredible ministry. He had a status in his lifetime that was almost unmatched. And when we meet John here in chapter 1, we are seeing maybe the most tempting moment in his entire life. The moment when he could, if he wanted, reach out and grab all the fame he could ever want, all the adulation. He could take his place as the most prominent leader in all of Israel. When they ask him, is he the Messiah? He could have said yes. And think about all the followers he would have won. But in the face of this opportunity, he deflects. He recognizes that the root, why his ministry is so significant is because it is pointing to someone who can truly do something for what we need, can truly do something for the people. He recognizes the priority of Jesus. Because John knew that apart from being someone who pointed to Jesus, the one in whom God was going to bring redemption into this world, uh, who could truly bring forgiveness and hope to the people, that he would just be another leader, long on promises and short on results. He knew that building himself up for himself would be uniquely bad news. That yeah, he might win fame, he might win a following for a time, but that he himself, John the Baptist, couldn't do anything really, for what the people needed. That would have been the bad news of good intentions with no ability to carry it out. And so when asked here, he says he's not Messiah. That he could not take away the sins of the world. That apart from Jesus, all he could do was splash some water on some people. That apart from Jesus, he was just a sunrise that actually leaves us partially still in the dark. But because he saw himself in Jesus, because he understood, understood who Jesus was and who he was because of that, that he could offer people true hope, not pointing to himself, not pointing to himself, but pointing to Jesus. He could offer them Jesus. He could walk in the freedom, in a sense, of saying, I am not the Messiah. Which brings us to our next section, 
the freedom of confessing, I am not. So the religious authorities from Jerusalem have come, and they begin to interrogate John. He's unauthorized by them, and they're alarmed because he's popped up in the wilderness, so not in the capital city, but not too far away, baptizing Jews uh, in this symbol that, that tend, uh, tended to mean uh, conversion. Um, and so they're wondering, what is going on? He's not authorized by them. How dare he start doing this? The verse 19 begins his testimony. And what does our witness say on the stand to their questions? I am not. Look at verses 20 through 23. Are you the Messiah? I am not. Are you Elijah? I am not. Uh, The reference here is the last book of the Old Testament is Malachi, who was a prophet who said that God would send a prophet like Elijah before uh, God's, uh, he called it the great and terrible day of God's judgment. He would send a prophet to uh, call people to be reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. And so there developed this hope that there would be Elijah to come in the future. And so they ask, are you Elijah? Are you the one we're waiting for here? John Baptist says, no, I'm not. They ask him, are you the prophet? No. And what this reference is, uh, is to is Moses centuries upon centuries before, before he died, told the people that there would be another prophet to come and that they should listen to that prophet that's coming uh, that's greater than Moses in the same way that they had listened to Moses. And so they're asking, are you the prophet? Are you the one we've waited for? And he says, no, I am not. And then they say, well, then who are you? You're baptizing uh, in the Jordan Jewish people Uh, something that's never been done before, who are you? And he says, I am a voice calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. He is a voice calling out to prepare people for the coming of Jesus. The questions he was asked were a list of hopes that the people of Israel had from their Old Testament scriptures, what would have been their Bible. Um, A hope that God would come to bring Redemption in a way that had never been known before. That God would bring forgiveness of sins. That God would bring security and safety in a sense that they had never known. These people are asking John the Baptist, are you the one that we have been hoping for? Are you the one that we have been longing for? John says, no, I am not. I am not the Messiah, but he can tell them who the Messiah is. Or as he says in the very last verse of our passage, look, look, the Lamb of God. We live in a world of people who claim to be leaders, who make promises that they either won't keep or they can't keep. Some of these are preachers that offer uh, wealth and prosperity for a monthly donation to their ministry. They build up a big name for themselves. You can even see sometimes their faces on billboards. They sell you lots of things. Uh, Some of these leaders are political leaders, and they offer you all kinds of hopes that they can't come through on, or they offer in some way or another to make our name great, to build us up. But we can also see it uh, not just in leaders like religious leaders or political leaders. We can see it in churches. Um, We can even see it in our own church, this a danger of this possibly happening. We're a young church, and this is exciting times. We're here at the beginning of what we hope will be a very long and fruitful and growing uh, ministry. 
We want to see incredible things happen here and done. Like, I, like we often say, the gospel that we bring is good news for our city. It's good news for our community. Um, but there's a danger here along the way from, for us, and it's the danger that John the Baptist faced here. It's the danger of uh, building up our own self. It's the, it's the danger of thinking that maybe we are kind of messiahs. And so this is going to feel a little bit silly right now, but I want you to say this out loud. And yes, this feels silly, but uh, humor me. Say this out loud. I am not the Messiah. Or if you're watching this with somebody else, look at them and say, I am not the Messiah. There's freedom here in confessing this. Because when we confess that we are not the Messiah, that we are not the one that people should look to, that we are not the one in, in whom people should place their hopes, we can then point them as witnesses like John the Baptist to Jesus, who is the one we long for, who is the one we can hope in, who is the one who makes promises that he can keep and come through on. We are here as a church in Dunn, in this specific place, so that people might see Jesus not us, that they might see Jesus for who he really is. Not so we can build a platform, not so that we can gain a name or a status, not so that we can be the biggest church in town or any of those things, but that people might see and experience the beauty and majesty of Jesus Christ and have their hearts captured by his love. That they might place their faith, not in us, in him to experience forgiveness of sins, transformation in their heart and hope for the future. The point is not us in building something for us. The point is Him. And here's the incredible good news about that. His glory is our ultimate good. His glory is our ultimate good. Sure, it might feel in the short term like a sacrifice to point people away from us. Um, this is what happened kind of uh, to John the Baptist. Because we'll see in later weeks that the, the next thing he does is he sends some of his followers, his disciples, to follow Jesus. He loses people in his ministry for the sake of Jesus. Um, and, and even later he says, I must become less so that he may become greater. I must become lesser that he may become greater. But John the Baptist knew what we need to know as well, that when we turn away from building our own name and our own reputation, Jesus gets the glory, and His glory is our good. His glory is our good because we are united to Him. And so we gain in Him a name that we could never earn by grace. We gain in Him a status that we could never earn by grace. We receive from Him all good things that we need, not as a reward for what we've done, but by grace. This is the freedom of confessing that we are not the Messiah. And so, as I said, we are here not to build our own reputation or to build our own kingdom. We are here to be witnesses of the Jesus who is building his kingdom of love and grace. And if we fall away from that, if we lose that, then no matter how much good we do, we are just adding to the noise of this world that distracts and obscures. This is the same kind of thing that the Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, when he says that without love, I am nothing. Without the love of Jesus being our goal and our motivation for ministry, we are clanging cymbals. 
We are distortion. We are making noise. This is part of the reason why we chose the name Christchurch. It's a very simple name. I like the name. But one of the reasons we chose Christchurch is not because we're better than anybody else, but it's a way for us, even in the name of our church, to remind ourselves all along the way that this is His church. He is the priority. He's the one who gains the glory. For all our good intentions and all of our mission statement and theology and all of our ministry values, all of those things, they're all worthless, honestly, if they do not point us back to Jesus and His wonderful grace time and time again. So, I'm making the point because it's an important point to make. We see the priority of Jesus, not just in John 1 with John the Baptist, but we see the priority of Jesus right here in uh, 2021, Christ Church in Dunn, North Carolina. And we can experience, like John the Baptist, the freedom of saying, I am not the Messiah, or we are not the Messiah. But let's talk about some very good news. Uh, Because just like John, we can say, I'm not the Messiah, but we know who is. And that brings us to our final section, the mission of Jesus. It's impossible for us, as we've said, to understand John John the Baptist's life and ministry apart from the mission of Jesus, apart from uh, what Jesus is up to. As we've seen earlier, John is baptizing in the the Jordan River with water. And that's a significant thing in in, in the symbolism of it being at the Jordan River, in the symbolism of it being a a conversion thing that's being placed on, on people. But John tells them here, when they ask him about why he baptizes, something even more significant. That there is one who is coming who will do more than this. John's baptism in water points forward to a greater person and a greater work, Jesus Christ, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And who, as uh, our passage next week will make clear, will take away the sins of the world. John baptizes with water, and it's a significant thing, but it points to the reality of Jesus who baptized in the Holy Spirit. To be baptized in uh, the Holy Spirit is, is uh, not some just some you know, big emotional experience. Um, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, it means for us to be swept up into the life of God, for us to be um, covered and washed, not just uh, physically with water, but to be cleansed and washed, even spiritually, by God's empowering presence himself. John's baptism in water was a picture of washing, cleansing, and and his was a baptism in preparation. It was a cleansing and preparation uh, for the presence of God. But that washing was symbolic, and it pointed to the greater reality of the forgiveness of sins that can only come through Jesus, the Lamb of God. But Jesus is coming not just to be among people who have been physically cleansed, nor is he just forgiving our sins, but he is coming to to awaken people who are spiritually dead. He will give the Holy Spirit, God's life-giving presence, to all who come to him in faith. He will forgive our sins and give us new life. Give us new life. And so when John talks about eternal life, it's not just life that lasts forever. To be baptized with the Holy Spirit, to receive eternal life, as I said, is to be swept up into the life of God. This abundant life. As Jesus talks about later, it's a well that will never run dry. 
It's a, it, it, it's a well that will never run out of the abundance of life that we need. As we talked about last week, Jesus says it's the fountain of all goodness that we can come and draw upon time and time again. That's what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, that we are marked and brought into this relationship of union with Jesus where we are receiving always from Him the grace that we need. We draw upon Him and His worthiness. We lean upon Him and rest upon Him in faith. So, this morning, and for the rest of our lives, individually and together as a church, may we turn to Jesus time and time again, and may we point to Him as witnesses. We are not the Messiah, but He is. May we, like John the Baptist here, be witnesses to our world, wherever God calls us, witnesses to the beauty and majesty of Jesus. Because as we said at our call to worship at the very beginning, He is worthy. He is worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise forever. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that through the ministry of John the Baptist here and echoing through the ages to us, even here today in 2021, that you have brought the good news of Jesus, that we can have the freedom of confessing that we are not the one that we should hope in, we are not the one that other people should hope in, but you are. You are. So give us the grace to always point to you. Give us the grace to always look to you and reveal to us the beauty and majesty of Jesus. Awaken our hearts to that. We pray all this in his name. Amen. Let's sing together.